But if you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 542. Page 542. So Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. So as we continue to study the wisdom of God in the book of Proverbs, we continue in the discipline, and it is a discipline, to stop and to look as pilgrims in this life. As we hear the Word of God, we stop and we look at our lives, and we look around, and we ask ourselves probing questions for the glory of God. Am I listening to the Word of God, or am I actually Hearing the word of God means I am taking what God has said and I'm saying I am going to obey this in my life for his name and for his glory. The examination of the scriptures, examinations of our lives is a must if we are to reflect the character of God. We need godliness in our everyday affairs. We need godliness in working clothes of our life. Now, Jesus Christ is not just the gate to salvation. Jesus Christ is also the way. We have studied verse by verse through nine chapters. We have three weeks left of significant topical studies looking before we finish Proverbs. And we'll close with Proverbs 31, the woman who fears the Lord. Now, Jesus Christ is the wise son of Proverbs, and as his children, we are called to make the wisdom of God a pursuit in our life. I don't know what you think about when you, when you hear the word pursuit. When I was in high school, I was a cross-country runner. That's, that's what I thought about, a pursuit. It's something I'm chasing after. And as I think about the word of God and the wisdom of God, and I think about us living in this life, and you have... Example after example of scripture, like let us run this race of faith together, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, that you and I are called to pursue wisdom. I think of agony, I think of struggle, I think of hardships, I think of this is something that is worth what we are called to live for, that we are chasing after the Lord, we are pursuing the Lord. That Christ is not just the gate to salvation, he is the way. So the wisdom of God is to be a pursuit in our life. We are to seek the wisdom of God. So over the last 22 weeks, have you developed new habits of seeking and applying the wisdom of God? A sermon only goes so far. Studying, taking notes only goes so far. The right theology only goes so far. We are to seek the wisdom of God. 
Think about humility, friendship, our wealth. I do hope you're doing more than deceiving yourself. I hope you're hearing God's word as well as being doers of God's word. So this week we tackle the subject of family. A wise life pays close attention to the family. In Proverbs, we find a father is speaking to his son. The truth that fathers and mothers are to be training and instructing their children in what God has said. In chapter 5, we find, chapter 5 speaks of adultery and sexual joy found in your spouse. Chapter 6 returns to more warnings of adultery. Chapter 7 discusses the adulteress. And in many verses in Proverbs, we are taught about the children, specifically that we as parents are to train them and discipline them. In the close of Proverbs, chapter 31, it's about the woman who fears the Lord, how blessed the husband is who has this in his wife. So as we hover the waters of Proverbs today, looking at the family, we will begin with the husband and wife relationship. And after this, we will look at the parent-child relationship. We are all part of a family. We all have family. I don't know what you think about when you hear the word family. For some of us, maybe it's difficult. Maybe it's easy. Perhaps you think of something secular, something godly. But I will discuss today is God's desire for the family. It's a picture of what he wants the family to be according to his word, not according to our thoughts. We hear so much today about what we should be, how we should think, what is right, what is wrong, and the majority of these views, they find no root in God's holy word. As a pastor, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, I am called to preach the word. I do not stand up here and I give you my opinion or my philosophy. So what is the family to be according to God and his eyes? If you're single, please don't tune out today. You have parents, and one day soon you might be married, but you have a church family in which the Lord has placed you, in which you are to help train and disciple others, adults and children included. We all need the wisdom of God when it comes to all things, and this includes the family. So area one of the family, the husband and wife relationship. So God created marriage and God defines marriage. Marriage between one man and one woman, period, the end. That is marriage. As creatures made by God and in the image of God, we look to him, our creator, for his purpose in all things. So husband and wife, a man and a woman, enter into a covenant relationship with God for the purpose of God's glory. So the man and woman must look to God through the lenses of the Bible, God's word, to know what the family must be. So this truth is foundational for all of life. We need to be reminded of this truth, and we need to teach this truth, pass on this truth. So as parents or whether it's Sunday school, whether it's discipleship, it's one-on-one accountability, whether it's just a Bible study, spending time with individuals. We point people to the Scriptures and say, this is what God has said. 
This is how we, how we are to live. In Genesis 2, 24 and 25, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his one wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So marriage is between one man and one woman. And this man, this husband, is to hold fast to his wife. So the path of Lady Wisdom includes following the Lord's design for marriage. If you turn back a few pages to Proverbs chapter 4, we find specific instructions all throughout. As a father is giving wise instruction to his son, this is what he says. Hear and accept the words from his father to follow what he had been taught, to keep hold of instruction, to not enter the path of the wicked, to avoid the path of the wicked, to be attentive to the words of wisdom, to keep what he has heard in his heart, to keep his heart with all vigilance, to keep your eyes looking directly forward, to ponder the path of your feet, to not swerve to the right or to the left, to turn your foot from evil. Do you see the pursuit of wisdom? You're thinking about running a race. This is a pursuit. Don't do this. Do this. Look straight ahead. Keep going. Don't swerve to the right. Don't swerve to the left. Hold on to my instruction. Remember what you have been taught. Take this with you and live. And immediately after all these instructions, we find the father addressing his son about adultery. That if we glorify God as husbands and wives, we need the wisdom of God. Being a husband, being a wife, this requires great attention. In Ephesians 5, if you'll go ahead and turn with me there, in Ephesians 5, we find clear instructions to the husband and wife. Let's take a look at these briefly. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 22. I'll go ahead and give the husbands a warning here. You'll probably say a divine amen to this first part, but don't worry, your part's coming. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as a church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In these verses, we find this submission of the wife, how the husband is to 
be the head of the wife, that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is an ongoing sacrificial love that we just don't think about in our relationship with the Lord, that Christ has lived and Christ has died and he has risen. Christ is also interceding for us on our behalf right now. So it's not just a sacrificial love in which we are supposed to have past tense. It's a sacrificial love in which we are to continue to have with our spouse. The husbands are to wash their wife in the word of God. Husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. A husband who loves his wife loves himself. That wives are to respect their husbands. Ephesians is clear, and so is Proverbs. We need the wisdom of God, the righteous application of true knowledge in our life if we are to please the Lord in all things. It's not enough to know what Ephesians 5 has said. It's not enough to hear many sermons on Ephesians chapter 5. We must seek to apply these things in our everyday life in the working clothes as we live in our homes. We need families that image what God desires the family to be. What he has designed the family to be. Because the design of the family is not about us. The design of the family is about the glory of God. So here are a few principles concerning husbands and wives that we learn in Proverbs. Number one, the spiritual condition and relationship of the husband and wife is primary. The spiritual condition and relationship of the husband and wife is primary. In Proverbs, a father is addressing his son, for the son is to be the spiritual leader of the home. The man of God is to take care of God's daughter as Christ gave his life for the church, his bride. Both husband and wife are responsible for their own walk with the Lord. Yes, the husband is to lead, but both husband and wife are to care for and look out for each other spiritually. So communication with one another of your current spiritual state is required. The husband is to wash his wife in the word of God, to lead in prayer, growing together, working through things together, talking about the things that are going on in the home. This is all important. We're to make time for the things in this life that are important. And this is where I think many times we really struggle. We know that God believes that the family is important. We absolutely know this. If we believe this, we will not just have a divine amen. If we believe this, we will make time for family. This is what we will do. What God considers primary, significant, what God considers important, we need to consider those things as primary and significant in our life. So the spiritual condition and relationship of the husband and wife, it is primary. We are to make time for the one that we married, not just on the wedding day, but for the rest of our lives. Number two, the physical, intimate relationship of husband and wife is important and should not be neglected. Proverbs speaks to this in many, many ways. In Proverbs 5, we find this, Drink water from your own cistern, 
flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you not be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. He is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. So in marriage, husband and wife are to enjoy each other to the glory of God. They're to rejoice in each other, and literally they're to be intoxicated with each other as husband and wife. In Scripture, God never paints physical intimacy as an option to be enjoyed, but a gift that is to be enjoyed with consistency as husband and wife. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, this was a church that was really struggling, so we can identify, because we all stumble in many ways. In 1 Corinthians 7, it says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So married men and married women, because of temptation to sexual immorality, they are to enjoy the gift of intimacy that the Lord has given them in their marriage. So the husband and wife, they both give their conjugal rights to each other. So that's authority over their bodies is given to each other, except for both of them devoting themselves to prayer for a limited time. Husband and wife should not deprive each other sexually. I find this interesting. It, it seems that in 1 Corinthians 7, you found many individuals who would take time as husband and wife and devote those things to prayer. It seems today very few pray. So I say it's good for husband and wife to set aside their intimacy for a time so that they can pray over certain matters that are going on in their life, going on in their marriage, in their family, things they are concerned about. But that should not last long because they need to come back together for this is God's will concerning the family. Temptations exist as well as the lack of self-control. In Proverbs 6, it says, My son, keep your father's commandment. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. 
And their proofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her capture you with her eyelashes, for the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. Within a marriage of husband and wife, both the physical and spiritual relationship is important, and they both require great care, great attention, and great discipline. You see, many times within the family, after children come along by God's grace, the children become primary, and over time, a marriage drifts apart. And when the children are grown or before, the marriage ends. I've seen this time and time and time again. The children leave the home, and the husband and wife, they don't know each other anymore. We must take care of ourselves spiritually, and we must see to the spiritual state of our spouse. Just because the Lord gives you children, just because your job has long hours and you come home exhausted, does not allow you to stop caring for yourself or for your spouse. When hard things happen at work that you get paid to do, you push through. Why would we not do that with our home? We must never stop caring for those in our home. There are many things that are to be done in the home, but don't neglect your spouse. Listen to these verses and think of the importance of this spiritual as well as physical life within a marriage. Proverbs 12, verse 4, An excellent wife is a crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Proverbs 18, verse 22, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 21, verse 9, It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 19, 13, A wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. Proverbs 15, verse 20, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Proverbs 5, verse 1, my son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding. Proverbs 7, 18 through 20, come, let us take our fill of love till the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. Proverbs 5, verse 20, why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Proverbs 10, verse 1, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. These verses discuss an excellent wife, a wise son, a quarrelsome wife, an adulterous wife, an adulterous husband, a foolish son. You see, we we must take care of ourselves spiritually, and we must see to the spiritual state of our spouse. This is too important, because you're not just talking about a relationship that you have entered into by man. You're talking about a relationship, a covenant that you have entered into before the Lord. 
We must take care of ourselves spiritually. We must take care of our spouse spiritually. We must see to the spiritual state of those in our house. Area two of the family, the parent-child relationship. The parent-child relationship. Father and mother, we need to know and remember that our personal relationship with the Lord and our spouse greatly impacts our parenting. Our children not only hear what we say, they see what we do. If we are to be godly parents, we need to have a godly marriage, which first requires that we have a great walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So parents, let's start with us. Number one, instruct your children. Instruct your children. Parents must teach their children. Because understand this, your children are being taught, they need you to teach them. Your children are being taught whether or not you're doing it or not. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train your children. If you want them to follow the Lord, train them in the way. Proverbs 4, verse 3 and 4. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one inside of my mother, he taught me and he said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Proverbs 19, verse 13. A foolish son is ruined to his father. Instruct your children. Instruct your children. Put away social media. Put down the phone. Have them put away their phones, their tablets, and instruct your children. Teach your children the law of God. Give them the full gospel according to God's holy word. Teach them about sin. Teach them repentance. Teach them faith. Teach them who Jesus Christ is. Talk about the glorious work of Christ on the cross. Talk about his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Talk about justification, sanctification, glorification. Speak of heaven, speak of hell, but teach your children. Proverbs 1, verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. So parents, instruct your children. Many children don't have parents who instruct them, who teach them. You are commanded by God to do this. Make time for it. Number two, it's not just instruct your children. It's also discipline your children. We don't let our children do what they want. A radical picture of this would be your children are playing in the front yard. And all of a sudden, you have a major road right in front, and you see that your children are sprinting towards the road about to get hit by a car. Most parents teach, they teach the Bible just like this. Eh, let's see what happens. There's no loving father or loving mother who would say, let our children run out to the street and see what happens. In fact, God's word says it's our responsibility to train them. A godly father and mother is going to look out over that child and start screaming at the top of their lungs and go chasing after them to stop. This is not going to turn out well. We must train our children 
And you must discipline your children. We also don't ignore them when they do things that are wrong because it's easier for us. Proverbs 12, verse 1, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Proverbs 13, verse 24, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 19, verse 18, Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. I've had conversation after conversation with parents who talk about, I don't discipline my children because of dot, dot, dot. It usually means something tragic happened in their life. But just because something tragic happened to you and you were disciplined wrong doesn't mean that you don't discipline your children. You do it biblically. You do it how the Lord says to do it. If you care about the life of your child, if you care about the, their eternal destination, you will discipline them. The Lord is clear. If you love your children, you will discipline them. Proverbs 22, verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from them. It is the rod of discipline that drives foolishness from the heart of your child. How can that be? If discipline is just a spanking, absolutely, don't do it. But discipline is not just a spanking. It is correction. It is instruction. It is reforming. It is pointing them to the word of God and what God has said. That is discipline. Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Proverbs 29, verse 17. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. The parent who doesn't discipline is a disobedient and foolish parent who cares more about being a friend and their own comfort than the spiritual condition of their children. Your children need to be taught. Your children need to be corrected. Your children need to be disciplined. Your children need to know the wisdom of God for this life and the life to come. I'm not talking about making your child, making sure that your child has good grades or goes to a good college or has a good career. That's the American dream. That's not the Bible. I'm talking about parents caring for the souls of their children. You care for your own soul. You care for the soul of your spouse. And then you take care and you shepherd your children, which God has given you. This is an eternal matter. This is not a temporary matter. School is temporary. Grades are temporary. Getting all A's, that has nothing to do with eternal life. Parents are to instruct and discipline their children for the glory of God in this life. Number three, spend intentional time with your children. This will not happen if you are not with them. Throughout Proverbs, you have a model of Solomon spending a great amount of time with his son, teaching him as well as modeling what it is to be a man of God. Fathers and mothers, you need to do this with your children, not just in a group. You need to do this with your children separately. You be a parent of the word as well as a student of your child. So fathers and sons, 
fathers and daughters, mothers and sons, mothers and daughters, you were created to have close, intimate relationships. You see, the path of Lady Wisdom is also the path of the Shemal. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love Yahweh your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you say, they shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. It sounds like you don't stop. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as fronts between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You are to teach your children. Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is wisdom. This is not law. Just because you train does not mean that your child will be saved. But you are to train. And you're to train with all diligence. What you don't find in Scripture is seasons and areas of life in which you should not train. When you're talking with your child, when you're sitting with your child, when you're walking with your child, when you're in the car with your child, you're talking about the things of the Lord. You're to be a student of your child. You know them. You get into what they are in to understand it. You listen. You learn with them. You laugh. You cry with them. You enjoy time with them. And you point them to Christ. And in your intentional time with them, you give your children grace. Don't be that parent. Don't be that adult that is only about the law. Number one, nobody wants to be around that person. Speak of grace and model grace with them. We don't just have the law. We have the good news of Christ. Parents, spend intentional time with your children. Children, now it's your turn. Honor your father and mother. We find this in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So God has given you two authorities in your home, your father and your mother. When you honor your parents, you honor the Lord. So what does that look like? I'm glad you ask. Number one, honor your parents by listening to them. Honor your parents by listening to them. Proverbs 1, 5 through 7. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Remember, this is primarily a book about a father writing to his son, a father teaching his son. Children, you are to listen to your parents. And in case you haven't heard this from your own parents, which I'm sure they've said, you don't know everything, and you haven't figured everything out. I know you think you have, and you think you do, but you don't. Here, increase in learning, obtain guidance. In your sanctification and knowing God's word and knowing Christ, the longer you walk with the Lord, children, the more you realize you don't know and the more sin you see in your life. Proverbs 19, verse 26. 
He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother as a son who brings shame and reproach. So you honor your parents by listening to them. You don't drive them away. Children, I know it's hard sometimes because your father and your mother are sinners just like you are. Your father and your mother, they mess up. They discipline out of anger. They do things wrong. They say things that they shouldn't say. But that doesn't mean that you don't do your job. It's just like the husband or wife who comes into an office for marriage counseling. My wife is not doing this. Okay. Do you know what your job is as a husband is? Yes. Okay. You do your job even if your wife doesn't. Because there are times when you haven't done your job. You're still called to listen to your parents, to hear, to increase in learning, to obtain guidance. Proverbs 19, verse 26, he who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. Number two, honor your parents by not just listening to them, honor your parents by respecting them. Have reverence for your parents. God has given you to them. Proverbs 30, verse 17, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. The dishonoring of parents, according to God, deserves great punishment. Proverbs 20, verse 20, if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. So you honor your parents by listening to them and respecting them. Number three, you honor your parents by obeying them. Hopefully your parents are training you up in the ways of the Lord, but you obey what they are pointing you to in Scripture. Proverbs 23, listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Proverbs 1, 8, 9. Hear, O son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland to your head and pendants to your neck. The word here. This means to pay attention, to listen, to take to heart, to walk in the way that you have been instructed by your parents. So children and youth, give your attention to your parents. Children and youth, give your mind to your parents. Children and youth, extend your hand to your parents. Parents, discipline your children. Parents, teach your children. Parents, when your children extend their hand to you, take their hand and walk with them. Walk with your children while they're in the home. Your children, they need your theology, but that is not all that your children need. They need you modeling for them what it is to follow the Lord. They need you by their side. They need you because they want to ask questions. And if you're not there, they'll ask somebody else. 
This is what Proverbs 20, verse 7 is declaring. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. It's not the righteous who knows everything. It's the righteous who walks in integrity. He has a theology of the Lord, but he also gives that theology to his children because he is with them. You model godly behavior as parents. That we need the wisdom of God when it comes to all things. And this includes the family. As I was reading this past week, the words of Richard Baxter have, have really molded over in my mind over and over and over again. Especially when I think about my own life and how many sermons I've heard. And it was, the sermon was finished, and I walked away, and all I did was take notes. Richard Batcher says, Withdraw yourself just one hour to consider seriously the end of your life. Most people don't do this unless they're at a funeral. Withdraw yourself just one hour to consider seriously the end of the life. While you walk alone or awake in the night, remember soberly that God is present. Time is hastening to an end, and judgment is at hand when you must give account of all your hours. Do not allow the devil to divert you from these serious considerations by pleasures or worldly business. I love the end of that. Are you living for the pleasures of this life? Are you living for the worldly business of the life? Is God your treasure or is money? We would all be better, Bible in hand, on our knees in prayer, before the Lord, considering our life, thinking about, seriously, the end of my life and what is matter. In Proverbs, this is exactly what you find. You find a son who is, a father who is pleading with his son to hear, to pay attention, to listen, to take to heart, to take with you when you go. Ignore this. Embrace this. Live for the glory of God. And yes, Proverbs is all fulfilled in Christ. Christ is our everything. But Proverbs is also a way in which we are to walk. So husband and wife, look after your spiritual as well as physical intimate relationship. Father and mother, instruct your children, discipline your children, and spend intentional time with your children. And this might mean you might need to start by asking for their forgiveness because you have failed them in many ways. Children, honor your parents by listening to them, respecting them, and obeying them. We need the wisdom of God when it comes to all things, and this includes the family. So we take this theology and we apply this theology to our life. We are to order our life according to the word of God because what the church needs, what this world needs is families marked by faithfulness to the word of God. Father, we thank you for today, for this morning. Father, I, I am reminded of my failures, but I am, I am reminded of the spotless Lamb of God.
Jesus Christ. Father, you have called us to order our lives according to your holy word. You have called us to hold up what you have said, thus saith the Lord, to have our theology come from what you have spoken and preserved for us. But you have also called us to take our life, to look at what you have said and to conform our life into your commands, to be obsessed with what you have declared, what you have uttered. Not just knowledge, but wisdom. You've called the family to glorify you. You've called the husbands and wives to glorify you within a marriage. You have called us, even in our training, in our bringing up of our children, that is about your name, that is about your glory, that is about the worship of you and the here and the now and for all of eternity. Lord, forgive us when we have We have embraced the things of this world that do not last. To be honest, when compared to you, it's worthless. It's trash. We have lived for trivial things. That our greatest delight, our greatest affection, our greatest treasure, Lord, is to be you. And out of this will flow streams of living water to those in the house. Father, I pray for every husband and wife here right now. I pray, the Lord, they would take care of each other spiritually, physically. That the marriages represented in this church, they would bring you much honor and much glory. Lord, for the parents... Lord, give us wisdom. We need it. But I pray, Lord, that the parents would have a continual pattern of training their children, pointing their children to you. Father, may we give up the trinkets of this world and you be our greatest desire, our greatest affection, our greatest thoughts, that that would overflow into those you have entrusted to us. We would train our children. Father, for our children, Lord, who are lost, who have rebelled, Father, may we never stop pointing them to you. We beg of you for their salvation. Call them to yourself. Whether it's through a sermon, a gospel track, scripture being read, us as parents talking to them, Lord, draw these lost souls to you. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is sufficient. Thank you for Christ. There's nothing greater than your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.